Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to KHS 1220 in 98.1 FM from beautiful Newhall, California. Woo! Well, people don't know where that is, but it is part of Los Angeles County. Now, you're listening to the Ask Brian radio show, and you make sure when you pronounce it, it's Ask Brian. You don't want to do Ask Brian. It's Ask Brian show. <laughs> so, uh, each week on the Ask Brian radio show, we discuss business. Sometimes we'll have a founder. Sometimes we'll have a, a person that's going to teach us something about business. This week, as it's the end of the year and we're looking back, we decided the co-host, Tracy and myself, Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! are going to have our own episode today and discuss certain things about business that maybe our teachers, that's why I call them teachers, the, the guests on the show, have not done. So we're going to go over that. But before we get started, Every week, and anyone who's been listening to the show understands that S. Brian is spelled with an E, and that's the only way to spell Brian. And no, we're not Irish, although maybe some of our... I don't know, Tracy, are you Irish? No, well, no. How about you, Matt? <laughs> well. No, 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 full-blooded uh, Italian, All by, right. as so far as I know. As far as I know. And by the way, my family, the first Jewish mayor of Dublin, was from my family. So, really? Yes, you Totally lied and made that up. No, I did not. I'm going to get my cousin on the line. I'm going to call up. Phoebe, are you there? I got her phone number. I'll get in touch with her. (laughs) Phoebe (laughs) O'Brien? Phoebe Newman. I've been holding that back all these years. If you truly, if your relative was the mayor of Dublin, you've been kind of holding that. Well, the fact is my family started in the Ukraine and Russia, and they moved to America, but half the family stopped off in England. And they, the other half continued on to the U.S. But we're going to not discuss my family tree, okay? That's really not going to help business owners, all right? But we are going to find out why Brian is spelled with an E since the show is not produced in Ireland and we don't work from a pub, although sometimes my comments are from a pub, all right? Let's go. Matt. Why is Brian spelled with an E? I'm glad you asked, Peter. There's uh, many reasons why Brian is spelled with an E. The first one, however, and I think perhaps most important, E is for education. Because we try to educate our listeners each week about business. Wow, that is a really important one. Interesting enough, that was not of the original E reasons. It only became one, and then we realized how popular it was and how important it was to our show. But yes, we try to educate people in any form we can along the business lines. You know what Yoda said, there's no try. Do, there's no try. We don't try. We do educate people about business. But Yoda doesn't have an E. That's true. And by the way, this is kind of not part of the show, and Matt doesn't know about this. We are going to do something. There's somebody that has multiple E's in their name that did pass away. Matt and I know that. His name was Pele, one of the best soccer players I ever saw. I watched him in New York. He used to play for the New York Cosmos. And so it's a sad day for that. Pele, may you rest in peace. 
Okay, continue on. Proceed, yes? Okay, great. E is also for experts because our guests are experts in their field. That's absolutely correct. And But what does that mean? 10,000 hours of hard, laborious labor. Slave labor, <laughs> some might say. Working at your own craft. It does require 10,000 hours in that field to truly consider yourself an expert in whatever it is that you're doing. So three months for an entrepreneur. Go ahead. Exactly. Because we've broken it down before over a weekly basis saying, you know, if you worked 40 hours a week, it would take five years to accumulate 10,000 hours. But we all know no entrepreneur, no successful entrepreneur is simply working 40 hours a week. And that's a good example. Successful. Yes. I mean, I'm sure somebody can be an entrepreneur and they're like, okay, I'll sell uh, widgets uh, once a week for two hours. And, you know, at the end of the year, they made $800. And they're going, woohoo! That's like a side hustle, in my opinion. <laughs> like, you're not, not a even a entrepreneur. Hustle. That's not a hustle. That's, no, that's a side. It's a side. It's a little spare time. It's like time. coleslaw potato salad when you're buying the corned beef sandwich. All right, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Yeah, but you can't even afford the corned beef sandwich, so you can only get the sandwich. No, not with that kind of one. Well, yeah. no, you, you have your friend order the corned beef sandwich with coleslaw, and you take the coleslaw on the side. Yes, All right. Exactly. So now that we're totally tangent-oriented, let's go. What are the other reasons why we have an E? E is also for experience, because experience counts. Now, I don't know if you know this, Tracy. I almost called you up last night because on AMC, they had this great movie called Grease. It was on TV last night on AMC. Yeah. I was thinking, nah, nah, it's on enough. But anyway, Grease was on last night, and we all know how you like that Grease Lightning, right? Yes, because we are electrifying and E is for enthusiasm, because being enthusiastic leads to excellent results, another E. And excitement! Yes, and excitement. I'm sorry. Woohoo! <laughs> Better, right? No ease in that. No, 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 no. But E is also for empathy because being in someone else's shoes helps you to understand your audience, customers, products, and services. And because I'm, I only wear a size nine, I can fit into a lot of people's shoes. So I can definitely empathize because I can fit into size 11, five, size 12, size 13. Whereas a big guy, you know, who's size 14, he can't fit into anyone's shoes. So does that mean uh, tall people can't empathize? That's possible. You're like a <laughs> you're like oh. a chameleon, Peter. I think I have a new E, and it's not exhausting. You're exhausting. <laughs> well, to put this to rest here, I'll uh, leave you with this one. E is for entrepreneur because most of our listeners, if not all, are business owners, as well as the guests that we have on the show. Absolutely. And without any further ado... Ado, your favorite word. For many reasons, again, I've always said, I think because you are a fan of the Renaissance language, French. <laughs> However, I believe it's more because it has one consonant and the rest of the letters are vowels. Supercalifragilis makes me allidocious. All right, let's go. So, we're going to get into our show today. Again, I said it's going to be Tracy and myself. Tracy, okay, we're going to try to find out from you the 10 biggest marketing concepts or reasons about marketing let's go through all 10 and we're going to start with one so explain the first one developing a strong brand identity yeah so well before we get into the actual list i kind of want to set us up in that you know this is the time of year that a lot of businesses are refocusing re-engaging like getting ready for 2023 and marketing is such 
an important part of the business strategy. We have had amazing entrepreneurs on the show that have shared different marketing tips and things throughout this year. So what I thought would be amazing for our listeners is to really run through the top 10 ways to market your business to really set you up for success in 2023 because we all want to create brand awareness. We want to generate leads. We want to build customer loyalty, but we all are also running businesses. So I felt like we could put these 10 top 10 ways to market your business out there. We could help people simplify their process and get a really strong start for the year. So without further ado, why can't I just spend $20 million on Google AdWords? Well, Google AdWords does show up in this list, but it's not necessary to have to spend $20 million on Google AdWords. You want to diversify your marketing strategy. <laughs> so that's why we came up with 10 different things to take that $20 million that you have lying around, or 20000 or 20 that you have lying around, <laughs> and diversify it in the most efficient ways. But in order for any of these to work, the reason why we're starting out with number one is because you have to develop a strong brand identity because that is the true key to any successful marketing strategy because you've got to start out with a strong brand and a strong brand defined by me is one that is consistent and cohesive and stands out in the marketplace and that means that you have visually compelling logo, that you have a color palette that crosses all of your graphics and your website design and your logo, and that you are capturing your authentic messaging and the tone of your voice through podcasting, videos, webinars, and everything looks, feels, and sounds the same so your customer feels really confident in your brand. It's studies show, Peter, no joke, that psychologically people will trust you more if your brand is consistent in how they see it, hear it, experience it, and if that's all consistent, then you're perceived to be a more trustworthy and credible brand. So my question to you, how long does it typically take to get a brand? Well, a brand is built over time. So that's a really good question, but the foundations of a brand are built out in what I consider to be pillars, and the foundational pillars are visual audio, digital, so it's what people see, hear, touch, experience. So those pillars are like tangible things like what you might print, like if you're in a trade shows and events, things like that, printing pieces, visual pieces like video, graphics, and then audio pieces like podcasts, and then your brand assets like your logo and your music beds and things that you utilize in your audio and digital and your social media. So you build out those pillars, which you can do as quickly or as long as you want to take and invest in it, and then you build it over time by being consistent. So it's, it's really never a beginning, a middle, and an end with your brand continuity. It's something that you're always refining and implementing changes and up-leveling as you go. So what I've read, and I'm not the marketing person here, but what I've read is you need to have something out there where people see it at least 10 to 20, maybe 30 times before they're actually usually going to act on it. That doesn't mean that people, you don't have your first people that, oh my God, it came out you know, for the first time today and they impulse buyers and they're jumping at it, right? But then you have the other people that, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't either, there has to be a need for the product or service at that at some point in time. They may not have that initially, right? It may take 30 days, six months, three years, but if they keep on seeing that name out there and they know what that name is for. So in other words, not only just having 
the logo with the X on it. It's the logo with the X and the product or service that you decide that you need and that you've seen it enough around and yet you don't know anything bad about it. I would think those are the type of things you would want to build a brand. What do you think about that? Well, I think recognition is really important in terms of building a solid brand. And if you think about, like, for example, Coca-Cola, the swoosh that's in the Coca-Cola font is part of their brand. The, the way that font itself has the curve that goes through it, the red color. So have a Coke and a smile is a tagline that they probably used 30 years ago, but people still who knew about it then still remember it. Another really good example um, that's probably done in every branding marketing study in, in the NBA is the Nike Swoosh, which is such a testament to developing a strong brand identity because if you just see the Nike Swoosh and you don't see the word Nike, it's so recognizable over time that you know that's a Nike product, even if it doesn't have the N-I-K-E on it. Another one of my favorites, and this has stood the test of time for Delta, you know, we love to fly and it shows. UPS, what can Brown do for you? I thought when the campaign of what can Brown do for you first came out, I, I had questions around that. I was like, why would they be utilizing that? But it was so powerful because the trucks are brown, the uniforms are brown, and UPS is synonymous with the color brown. And so for them to integrate a tagline of what can Brown do for you was really, really actually very smart because their focus group showed that the one thing that people recognized when they thought of UPS was the brown trucks and the brown uniform. So why not parlay that into their marketing and messaging? So I think those stood the test of time, but they were also built over time. And that's the one thing that you want to really fall in love with the brand that you build because you want to be able to grow with it over time. And it's a, you want to invest in it again in those foundational pillars. So you want to have it be something that you really love because if you fall out of love with it and you're stuck with it, that's not always fun. And that was amazing. Now, but what about for the small business person who's, you know, either started out three years ago or starting out now? And they just came up with this new name, and it's called Nuco, and Nuco sells uh, widgets, right? So how do they build their name? Because obviously, they don't have the money that those companies have, and they, they can't wait the 20, 30 years. How do those small, new companies get branded? Well, I think that that is a great segue into what our number two is, which is optimizing social media. So if you you're creating the brand for Nuco and you're marketing your widgets, you've already, even if you have cost efficiently, maybe you've contracted someone on Upwork or on Fiverr and you've gotten a logo that you really like, then for not a lot of money or in some cases zero money if you're managing your social media strategy yourself, you can start to put that brand out into the world through social media and through your website. So probably the most important step that you would want to take in that transition from developing a strong brand identity into some of these other tactical marketing tools is that you want to make sure that you have a website domain, your URL, that is something that will be recognizable and easy to remember for your audience as you build the brand. So you would, if newco.com, for example, is already taken, then you might want to look at newcowidgets.com claim that URL, and then start building the brand around that. Claim that Facebook.com forward slash Nuco Widgets, Instagram handles, Twitter handles, all of those things. 
And the other thing, and you know a little bit about this, is that that gets you first in use in terms of trademark and intellectual property. So you're already going a long way in securing your brand by putting it out there and owning those URLs and those social media handles. And then you can build the brand organically from there. So do you believe you should do a search before you do any of these things? Or you should just, you know, so if you have Nuco Widgets, should you just go with Nuco Widgets because the name is available as a domain? Or should you do other types of searches to make sure Nuco Widgets is available in your state to incorporate or with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office? Do you think those things are valuable to do prior? I think those things are valuable to do, but I think you are the expert in that area. So I will let you either validate that I think they are important and or say how and why they should do that. Well, thank you. And what I'm going to say is a name is very, very valuable to the entity. Matt is giving me the peace sign, so I, I think he's really into peace today. It must have something with Christmas <laughs> and New Year's. The reality is names are very valuable, as Tracy has pointed out, with Coca-Cola and Nike, etc. But regarding trademark and name issues, if you don't do a search ahead of time, and 99.9% of all people do not do a search, but if you don't do a search, you run the risk of you building a brand and spending money and time and effort to get that name out there when you maybe have a mark or a name that's confusingly similar, that's the definition, confusingly similar to another name, and at some point in time, you may have an issue with either possible trademark infringement where somebody comes after you, or you can't enforce your rights. So it is very, very valuable to spend time to build out a name, not just picking one that's available on a domain, but also something that's available that isn't going to be confusingly similar to another name. And there are many, many methods you can use. Obviously, the USPTO is one method. Google is another method that really wasn't around, but that is something that we do. Now, we have a couple of more reasons why the name is so important. So, as I said, I have, and I hate to use the word I because we're talking teaching class, but basically the name is invaluable. And the name like Coca-Cola or Nike or Colgate are so valuable to these companies, but they're built out over time. And guess what? When they started, nobody knew what they, nobody knew what Microsoft was when Microsoft started. And if you think about Apple, they were thinking about a, the fruit and Apple. Maybe an Apple record from the Beatle days, but nobody was thinking about a computer. Why? A name itself is built out over time, and it does take time. Now, if you spend billions of dollars like Facebook did, you can get pretty quick to build up a brand name, but it takes a while. But you can't build a brand if you don't know if the name is available or if somebody can attack your name and challenge your name. And there's a lot of repercussions for that because if somebody does come after your name, you may have built up a name over three years, five years, ten years, and all of a sudden somebody comes to you and says, uh-oh, you're using our mark. We're based in Ohio and Kentucky, and we found out that you're using that in California, and we're not going to allow you to do that. And that can be a big problem for business. In fact, if you have to hire an attorney, you can spend so much money that you could technically be out of business. So you don't want to go down that path. You want to pick a name that is available. Now, can you spend $1,000 to pick have a company pick it for you or go through a big search? Probably not. Most businesses don't have that opportunity. But there are a few things that you can do besides Google and besides the USPTO or your state. So there, are, you need to find out what industry your business is. Obviously, you know if you're selling Nike, you can't sell it in the food business because the name is so popular. But a lot of other names are only going to be available in a specific category. So I would suggest you 
spend a little bit of time and effort to decide what your name is and make sure it's there before you start spending all this money and then find out at the end of the day you can't even use it. Now we're going to go back. And now Tracy was talking about optimizing social media. I don't know if she's completed that task. So Tracy, what more can you add on the on the optimizing social media? Yeah. So what I can say about social media is that, you know, there's always so much mystery surrounding social media, which are the best platforms, how do you navigate algorithms, and how can you post on social media and do it efficiently. So there are a couple quick tips around that. One is that you don't have to be all things to all people, but you do have to know which platform your audience lives on the most. So you can, if you have the resources, and I mean that by time and money, you can be consistent on all the platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. But if you are really stretched for bandwidth, time, and resources, then you want to choose one primary platform where your target audience lives, where your customers live, where your clients live, and really focus on that. Like, for example, with Producer Podcast, LinkedIn is one of our best platforms and so we focus on LinkedIn which means that we post consistently on LinkedIn I do LinkedIn live we publish newsletters on LinkedIn blog posts on LinkedIn and so we put a lot of energy towards that one platform because that's where our target audience lives so you really want to be able to optimize the social media platform have presence on all of them when you can choose one that you can really dedicate to that you can really track the metrics and see responses And then also from an efficiency standpoint, there are so many platforms that are out there that you can pre-schedule your social media posts so that you can ensure that you stay consistent and be in the forefront of your target audience's mind. So you can use a platform like Loomly, that's L-O-O-M-L-Y. Hostsuite is another popular pre-scheduling platform. And it just makes it easier, especially if you're having to do everything yourself or if you have a small team, then you can connect to the platform to your pre-scheduling platform and you can just, you know, allocate a couple of hours a week and then pre-schedule your post and then you've got it all covered. Even with podcasting, check with your hosting platform. A lot of times they will automatically connect to LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter so that when you upload a podcast and you release it, it will automatically post on those three platforms. So that's another very efficient way to really optimize your social media. What we are also talking about in our list of the ways to grow your business through your marketing strategy, and this comes back to almost everything. This is the hub of your marketing strategy right here, and that is that content is king. So if you're going to make an investment In your marketing strategy in 2023, one of the very best things that you can do is invest in content marketing. So that way you can showcase you being the thought leader. Like, for example, you, Peter, sharing your expertise around brand building and making sure that the name of your brand is available and and how to get through trademarking and intellectual property considerations and things like that. You talking through those things in content marketing positions you as a thought leader, as an expert, it helps you attract and retain a really clearly defined audience. Now, I may be partial when I say this, and I'm going to admit it, but I believe that podcasting is absolutely one of the best ways to get an ROI on your content creation investment because if you think about it, you literally have to record just 
show up and record an episode or a show like we're doing right now. And once that episode is recorded, then you can repurpose it into multiple different pieces of content. Like this particular piece of content that we're creating in this episode, we're going to have blog posts from it. We're going to have social media posts from it. There's going to be an article in the podcast business journal from it. And all of that is happening just as a result of you and I showing up and creating this content within this episode. Well, so let's go back to the first question, which is going back to optimizing social media. How do you select which social media works for you? Now, obviously, LinkedIn is obviously business-oriented, but how would you know? So if you have a company, what is going to give you that information of which social media, if you have only one to focus on, what are you going to use to determine which one? Well, my answer for that is probably a little bit more different than most people's answers would be. I mean, clearly you want to be on the platform where your target audience lives and because you want to be talking to the people who are going to want to do business with you. But another important thing that I think you need to consider when choosing this platform is something that you're interested in participating in. So for me, for example, I the benefit in Twitter, and I know it's actually kind of been a cluster lately, but in general, Twitter, I see the benefit in Twitter. However, for me, that's not a platform that I engage in on a personal level. So it's not something that I spend a lot of time on that platform. It's not something that I want to interact with so much. So my presence on Twitter is more at a minimum, whereas on LinkedIn, I find LinkedIn to be interesting to me. I like to read the articles that people post. I like to see what other people are doing in their business. It's something that I enjoy going to that platform and participating in that platform as a user. So it makes it a lot easier for me to then want to engage on that platform with my own content. So I think it's a twofold answer. I think you definitely need to be on the platform where your audience lives. And you also need to enjoy, like, and want to participate on the platform. Instagram is an interesting one for people who have visual businesses, especially because it's very image-oriented, even though now they've really up-leveled their game competing with TikTok with videos and reels and things like that. But if you're a business that's very focused on visuals, like an interior design business or a florist flower business or any clothing, products, retail, Instagram works really, really well for you, and a lot of people personally like Instagram because they can post personal photos and things like that. I'm more of an audio-oriented person, so Instagram isn't as interesting to me because I like audio versus visual. So you have to balance that personal engagement with the engagement of your audience. You know, if you're really going to choose one of the things in terms of investing hard dollar resources in that the most mileage you can get from an investment in terms of your marketing strategy is really to put that investment towards content creation because that really leads to optimizing your social media. That actually helps with email marketing, and email marketing is our fourth tip that is it's still, you might think email marketing isn't that like so 2000s, but no, it's not. It is actually still one of the very best ways to reach and engage with clients and prospective customers because they are choosing to opt in to receive your content and you can do very targeted messaging and you can update them. For example, the newsletter that we just sent out, I like to use really tangible examples. 
we just recently sent out our year-end newsletter, and it had a video in it where it recapped all of our 2022 so people in our newsletter database could see all the ways that we grew in 2022. <laughs> you like what I did there? All the ways we grew in 2022. And then it had features of where we were in the press and new podcasts that are coming out in 2023 and absolutely included a call to action. So it was a way to update our database in terms of how we're growing as a business, but also how we can benefit our services, can benefit them. And I don't know, Peter, do you remember a couple months ago when Facebook and Instagram actually went down and it crashed? That was a big wake-up call for people who have been building their brands solely on social media to really realize how important it is if you don't already have a newsletter database started how important it is to start one because you really can't rely on a third-party platform to build your brand because what if it, that platform implodes or it goes away or like what's happened with Twitter, for example. And so you really want to control what's called your first-party data. I also wanted to point out Twitter, after being taken over by Elon Musk, has had a lot of issues with some of the people being laid off, some of the, some of the people not being allowed on Twitter. And so obviously, if you were relying solely on Twitter as your number one, a similar issue to what you're talking about with Facebook and Instagram. We only got the tip of the iceberg, so there are so many issues and so many things that we're going to be discussing. We are probably going to be continuing our show for next week to get the rest. So if you want to hear the rest, we're still going to talk today, but if you want to hear the rest, you're going to have to listen next week. This is going to be a part two to our episode. However, we were talking most recently about both content and email marketing. Now, first of all, I've heard a lot of different concepts on email marketing. For one, how many people do you need on a list before you can start email marketing? I mean, if I've got five people, I don't know. Do I need to get to 100? Do I need to get to 1,000? Is there a magical number out there that you need to have? That was one question. I have a few more, but let's start with that one. Well, I think that the most important thing is that you have to start, and everybody starts somewhere. So if you think about when you very first had your first Facebook account, when you had your first Instagram account, even when you're just starting anything, your numbers are always going to be smaller at first, but the longer you wait, the longer it's going to take to build that list. So the most important thing is even if it is just five people and four of them are your friends and your family, just start the list because what you can do is you can include a sign-up form on your website and you can take the link to that sign up form and you can promote it through your social media. You can use it as a call to action in your videos and your podcasts and things like that. So just making sure it's easy for people to get to the form and sign up. As your email database grows and then you are going to be able to use that to drive traffic back to your website to buy programs and services. So it really depends on the kind of business that you have and how many people that you need to generate income from on your products and services and if you have an e-commerce platform and things like that or if you're just trying to build a communication strategy maybe to develop like a membership or a community. So every business has a different objective, but the most important part is not necessarily the quantity of the numbers, but just making sure that you have the platform, that it's easy for people to sign up, and that you're building it and growing it as you're promoting yourself. What's your frequency on, a, on an email blast? Are you going to email blast 20 times a day, 20 times a month, 20 times a year? What's a typical email blast frequency? I mean, again, I think my answers are not going to be from a 
textbook scientific data perspective as much as what is going to work for you and for you to be able to maintain a consistent schedule. So if it works for you and your team to be able to send out one a month, then send out one a month. If you have the ability to send out once a week, that would be optimal because as long as the content that you're putting in the email is of value to the person who received the email, because if you're constantly selling at someone without providing value with any marketing that you do, you're going to have people that are going to tune out, unsubscribe, opt out, and not open it. So it's the quality of the content that you can create, and the quantity is based on how well you can create that quality in a time frame that works for you. Now, what about in order to get people to opt in or to get their email addresses, a lot of people are offering either information or some type of a, a gift or something, also known as a lead magnet. What do you feel about that? I think that's such a great question because it's harder and harder to get people to give you their email addresses these days, right? Because everyone's inbox is clogged. And that's where it just comes back to thinking of, I, I like to use the recommendation, what's in it for them, not what's in it for you. So if you're able to provide something of value, what's in it for that potential email address, are they going to receive value from you when they give you their email address? And is it something that is worth them giving up their email address, even though everyone knows they can always unsubscribe, but you don't really want to have that happen, and you certainly don't want people to report you for spam. So at, you really want to make sure that the content that you're creating and that you're sending out is something that has value. And I think those lead generation magnets are really good ways to have people recognize the value of some of the content that you're creating. So, like, you know, if you have an ebook, for example, or if you have something that is someone's going to be able to take away, implement, take action on, learn from, be entertained from, then it's absolutely worth generating that so that your person is willing to give up their email address in order to get that piece of negative content. Well, we did have more questions, but we are going to be ending soon. So, Let's get information how people can listen to the S. Brian Radio Show and how they can get in contact with you. Yes, so these tips are all going to be available in our podcast that we will release, and you can re-listen or listen to our Ask Brian, that's A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N, the Ask Brian podcast on all your favorite listening platforms. And we will put the links to these tips in our show notes, and we'll be back next week to finish out the top 10 list and we also would just love it if you would check out the podcast share it with a friend leave us a review and tell us you know what you'd like to hear in future episodes thank you very much you're listening to KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM the Ask Brian Show Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian Radio Show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.